Yeah, the Lord of Bondage and Pain would have been a real would have been a real mess to have to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man, that guy doesn't die from gunshots and knives to the head. Yeah, the, the the five thousand dollar cut bong is not going to save you in that situation. No, no. I mean, he had he had buzz saws in his face, just yeah. blades from saws lodged. <laughs> Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What a Disaster, the podcast where we watch, review, and discuss a disaster movie as close to weekly as I can possibly stand. I don't know about the other guys. I'm your host, Gregory. With me, as usual, is Richard. Hi, Greg. Uh, Unfortunately, Liz couldn't make it this week due to, uh, we'll call them real-world obligations, but I think she's just a quitter. Uh, Obviously, she thinks they're more important than being our friend. Terrible thing. So we did bring in a replacement, um, another guy that we used to keep in a cabinet under the stairs. His name's Brian. Uh, thank you for letting me out. It is an honor to be out of the cabinet and here in Liz's place today. Yeah, the room is much bigger up here, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. actually nice with electric light. It, and it's what it's. This is what it's like to stretch out your limbs. Yeah. <laughs> now, having to use the um, bathroom bucket is probably really nice, too. Uh, no, he still has to use the bathroom bucket. Oh, yeah. That's, That's what that smell is. I only get it on the weekends, though. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, this week we are watching. Oh, oh, I guess I'm supposed to warn you. We might spoil the movie that's four years old. For so, the record, Greg did not think it was uh, a necessary warning, but once you see the movie, you will understand the spoiler alert. Once you see the movie, you'll be part. like, "Oh, thanks, Greg, for being <laughs> a bitch because your friends are bitches." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The movie is six years old. It came out in 2012, and it's not even like this is a work of art. Apparently, Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote the script in three days. They locked themselves in a room and wrote it in three Locked days, themselves yeah. in a room. Oh, I'm sure their room was really uncomfortable, too. They're both friggin' rich. After two failed uh, <laughs> uh, movie projects, they did that. Genius flowed fr- from them together. Yeah. <laughs> they just juiced all over a script. Yeah, it was tons of genius juice. And called it good. Absolutely. Yeah. What are we? Did I say what we're watching? We're watching Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, we said we're going to spoil it. The movie, and we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Yeah, we're already spoiling we're it We're spoiling it right now. So at the end of the movie, everybody dies. Yeah. That's it. There are two kinds <laughs> of movies. Today. There are two kinds of movies we watch. On, on this uh, podcast, the movies where just about everybody lives, mm-hmm. that, that at least everybody in the movie lives, or the movie that you care about anyways, or the movie where everybody just dies. Everybody you care about in the movie just dies. What do we do? So what, 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 the where gross, this movie, budget it. It was a $30 million film. $30 budget. million. Dollars. That's what they paid for this movie? It sat on a shelf for a while, but I it got paid up. for this movie. I'd have made millions, maybe. It, uh, opening weekend, it made $14 million. That's almost half its budget. Yeah, but not, not great for uh, a 30 million dollar film i remember when this film originally came out i was super excited because it had sat on the shelf for a long time yeah if you remember it was around the collapse of mgm yep yep so there was an mgm uh project that was just sitting there this mm-hmm. was yep. yeah it was done too bunch of ding dongs oh yep. this was already shot in the can yeah yeah it was and they just go. had no way to distribute it because they were poor yeah because yeah because hemsworth the same year just came out hemsworth did uh red dawn and he went on to also film thor Shortly after that, yeah, he was he becoming a big thing. And yeah. when he filmed this, he had no idea what was what he was going to become. He wasn't going to be a big thing at that yeah, point. But right. now he's a big thing. He used to look really good about a shirt on. That was that was his thing. Exactly. So what? So the budget they they yeah. spent thirty. They made back a bunch. They, worldwide, they made, they made seventy million dollars. Yeah, worldwide made seventy million. This movie was a slow burn. Nobody understood it at first. And well, then that's the, it. They, the mar- they marketed it for crap. I had no yeah. idea what this movie was supposed to be. If I'd have known mm-hmm. that it was going to be a dark comedy. Um, horror movie satire, I would have jumped on it at that point in my life. Yeah. 
You actually, I think, Greg, you actually told me to watch this movie. I think yeah, you but finally was, watched it. I You're like, Rick, it. you have to watch this movie. Let's put that out there. Yeah. I pirated it when it first came out on the DVD or whatever. And uh, that was how I watched it initially. And I made all my friends watch it, probably pirated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, probably in the house we lived in together. Yeah. I mean, I have since paid for it, but that's not the point. Yeah, I paid for this movie so many times. Oh, so many times once. I know you're listening, Joss, so don't be upset about that uh, original pirate. Yeah, Joss Whedon is a, he's been a longtime listener. Mm-hmm. He's talked to us about all the ones that we've released. And <laughs> I got a lot of his input on the first episode. I sent it over to him. He was, uh, he wasn't as impressed as you were. So yeah, it was, well, he's a tougher crowd, much tougher crowd. Yeah. He liked the second one more, though. Uh, yeah, so Joss Whedon wrote this, and he, he didn't direct it. Uh, Drew Goddard wrote, co-wrote it with is him. Is it Goddard or Goddard? Because ah, I don't know. I think it's probably Goddard. I say Goddard because of the French New Wave guy, but you're probably right. It's probably Goddard. All the D's are silent. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it's Drew Gore. <laughs> yeah. so, so Josh Whedon and him wrote it, and they, um, Josh Whedon was a producer. They both had not uh, directed a movie yet at this point, and they both wanted to direct this movie, but Josh was like, you know what, Drew, you can uh, you can direct this one. Didn't Drew, or Drew, uh, Joss Whedon direct, like, Buffy or something, or did he not direct any of that? He just wrote it. Oh, he just wrote it. Oh, okay. He wrote that, the movie and the show. And okay. um, Drew Goddard wrote Cloverfield, but didn't direct Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. He was a producer in all the other Cloverfield films as well. Ah. All right, so uh, we can go back to introducing our characters here. Uh, we've got Kristen Connolly playing Dana. She's a... We just said we weren't going to talk about that. My God. <laughs> and uh, so, I, so so you guys know why I'm tolerating these two. <laughs> uh, just to give the audience some, some information. I've known Brian since seventh grade. Lucky him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've known Richard since like probably 10th grade. So the, like and we're, we're, we're all an adult. Uh, that's like an adult ago for all of us because I'm 37 now. I suddenly feel sorrow for you. Yeah. yeah. It's not your so, fault. Most of my most of my life I have known these two at this point. Um, which is a terrifying thought. But they've both got their their benefits. Like uh Richard comes over and talks into the microphone sometimes and breathes through his mouth right into it. So it's it's helpful for for when we have to edit. And Brian is uh, if you remember Ed McMahon. When he was on the Tonight Show, he just laughed at everything. That's me. That's Brian. Brian is a, is the most amazing person you want around when you're trying to be funny because he will find it all hilarious. It's Ayo. a cheap laugh. He, it's great. <laughs> um, anyway, two quarter stars. So we're back to Kristen Connolly again. So you've forgotten that we called her the Virgin twice. Uh, that's Dana. She's kind of the the main protagonist in the show, although it does follow a group of friends. Uh, when you first start the movie, Dana's up in her apartment doing her thing, and her friend shows up. Uh, I think that's Anna Hutchinson, right? Yep. Jules, Jules. Anna Hutchinson. Yep. She shows up and starts talking to her, and then her boyfriend comes over. I don't know if you guys have heard of Chris Hemsworth, uh, but he's in this. His name's Kurt. Mm-hmm. With um, a C. With a, a C. Yeah, no, no, no Ks. Um, and they're all in the apartment getting ready for a trip to... A uh, mountain cabin in the woods type of deal. Uh, Kurt's cousin owns this. Kurt's bought this cousin co- cabin. Bought yeah. this cabin. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, cost him, I'm assuming, no- next to nothing because it's a complete piece of crap, and it's in the middle of damn nowhere. <laughs> I do like that they drove an RV to get there, though, because you know, if you're gonna go camping in a shitty cabin, you might as well have a much more comfortable RV right outside. No, absolutely. And, w- and when we get there, the cabin a- absolutely like beckons back to Evil Dead and. The creators actually said, hey, we want this cabin. Build this cabin when they uh, were talking to the people that were putting it together. 
Uh, uh-huh. It was all That's about cool. it was all about Evil Dead. If you actually pull them up next to each other, you can see the similarities. Oh yeah, but... yeah. The, the the Evil Dead cabin has inspired many a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the original, yeah. original. But back in the uh, back in the room when the, we were first getting to know our characters, um, we actually got a, a little taste of some of the the better writing that Joss can put out and some of the dialogue that they share with each other. Um, uh, there's a few good cracks, and I, I know, Rich, that you noted a couple of them. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed the same things that I did, but um, you did put that um, it, when he picked up the book, Kurt said to his girlfriend, like, what is this? Who gave you these? Who 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 allowed you to do this? I can't remember the exact wording. but yeah. and she Where'd you get these? Him. How'd you learn this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she <laughs> who blames gave you him. these? She blames him and says, says, it's you. You taught me. And it was just I learned it from so you. well written. You know, it's something only yeah. someone like Jazz could put together. It's like that old, uh, that old drug commercial. I learned it from you, Dad. Yeah, uh, it, I do like when Joss Whedon gets all, we'll call it quippy, back and forth with characters. It's always a fun listen. Absolutely. Yeah, and there are two more characters that show up in this scene as well. We should we should get them introduced. Yeah. So there the the two more or is it just oh yeah no the the uh, there's a totally Holden. forgettable. Um, I always forget his name because he's completely I forgettable. I guess Holden. Holden. He's the yeah. Mister Captain Football, played by Jesse Williams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The scholar. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying yep. to hook Holden up with uh with um, Dana because Dana is, has been banging her one of her professors. They imply that. And they're they not don't imply it. I think they actually just say it, don't they? Kind of, I think, yeah. And they, uh, and they're not they're not banging anymore because it's really inappropriate to bang a professor. So they're thinking that maybe they can get Dana to hang out with Holden since right, he's on the football right. and, team. And remember, you don't know that Dana is the good girl. She's the virgin that would never do this thing. Right. There's uh, one more guy, Marty. Marty. He's everybody's favorite, I imagine. He, he's the he's the real protagonist of this uh, of this movie. Absolutely. And he, he rolls up with this like coffee cup bong that he's like smoking in his car and uh so the guy who plays marty uh what's that guy's name i franz cons fran cons fran 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 Kranz. Fran Kranz. franz isn't a he's, Frank, not a he's not a weed smoker frank ring like this mm-hmm. dude just has no idea so they they he had to go through a two-hour workshop where he taught him how to roll joints and they gave him a bunch of like weed and put like all these like joints in his pockets and stuff but he's not a he's this guy isn't a weed smoker he had to they send him to class to learn how to be act like a stoner and that bong that he was had in his uh in the car is a was a five thousand dollar working prototype. They actually made that thing, and it cost them five thousand dollars. Wow! It's used twice in the movie. Uh, I imagine I know a lot of people who'd use that thing, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's somebody that's, took it home. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's and pretty. It's pretty fantastic. It's awesome foreshadowing because the the coffee cup bong is the first thing in the movie that really you find out is not what it intended to be. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, actually, that's a good point. And he gets out of the car and he has just this long, he's, he's obviously smoking weed in the car and you're like, right. what are you doing? First off, you don't smoke a bong like that. You take a hit. You don't just keep smoking it. <laughs> you're just going to eat water and ash. It's, it's bad. Richard's a pro. I have, I have, uh, I've watched people do this. My mom and dad, big drug addicts. Well, this, this whole movie is really kind of about turning oh. stereotypes on their head and then they use, um, we're gonna we're gonna get into this, yeah. but there's no way to to talk about this movie without spoiling the the movie. Oh, absolutely! Um, so it's, it's all about taking those stereotypes, right? and when you get when they get into the cabin, so th- there are more than just these five characters. We, I mean, we've got a really huge and gr- amazing supporting cast in this too. It, it's overwhelming, um, honestly. Yeah, Richard Jenkson is <laughs> Jenkins is is terrific. Did somebody knock? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays um, Citizen. He plays. So when this movie opens, we kind of skipped to that, and it's actually. Uh, We've got to the part that feels like the real opening when she's in her room, but this movie actually opens with Stillerson and um, Holden. To two, not Holden, Citizen sorry, and Hadley. Hadley. 
hanging out and uh, they're getting coffee in in this really sterile work environment. Right. And uh, Josh Whedon wanted to make people think they're in the wrong movie. So the very first scene, they're just getting coffee and talking about baby proofing their house. Absolutely. And when you hear this, you, you, you actually, when you put the DVD in now or the Blu-ray and you begin watching this thing, you, you do begin to wonder, what am I watching? What is the context? Yeah. You've got these two guys and I'm a, I'm a big Disney World fan for anyone who doesn't know that yet. And you'll know that by the end of any podcast I'm ever on. But uh, they're in their workplace. And immediately to me, I'm thinking these guys are like in the Magic Kingdom Utilidors, yeah. which, is, <laughs> which is a funny like foreshadowing again. Like, where are these guys? It's, it's such really an were. odd scene. It's really, it's really sterile, right? a really sterile environment around this really amazing world that they're controlling from with these knobs. Yeah. And uh, the other scientist uh, is played by uh, Bradley Whit- Whitford, which you might remember from um, West Wing. Yep. He's awesome. He's incredible. Like, I've always really liked him. He- his ability to, like, shoot dialogue da- out is great. Mm-hmm. And he's hilarious in this movie as well. Those two guys steal the show for me, honestly. Yeah, yeah they, I, I mean, they're great. You. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, this movie couldn't have been cast better as far as I'm concerned. There was a lot of really good stuff going on yeah. throughout. And it's, it's super bipolar because you're like, oh, you're like, you're seeing this office. Now you're back in this cabin, and it keeps cutting back to this mission control center as these people try to manipulate these kids. But they're all there's no bad guys in this movie. There's really no bad guys other than maybe the monsters. Right, right. And I feel like the miracle of this movie is what we're talking about now is the staffing that all of these actors and actresses read through the script and said, "This is a great idea. Let's roll with it. Let's read this and let's make this a movie." And yeah. and they bought in and they saw the vision and made it so so amazingly well. Yeah, we get kind of a hint that things are going a little bit south too before it starts. Uh, they say that Stockholm is gone, has failed, and we're not really sure what that means yet. They don't really explain what that means, but we know that all the workers are kind of stressed. But our two favorite scientists—they're not stressed. Yeah, I mean they're they, pros. They, they've been doing this for years, and it shows. They're they're the grizzled veterans. That's true. They are the the peace of mind in a hectic work environment. The ones who make you feel like it's going to be okay. Yeah, Can't absolutely. They're the kind of people you would want as. As, as your project managers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Stakes seem a little bit high to be that calm, but who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've, we've met our, our friends, and they, they take a trip out to the cabin in the woods. Uh, on the way there, they stop to fuel up, and we get our first, uh, first little foreboding moment <laughs> where they stop at a gas station, and there, there's just the creepiest friggin' gas station attendant in the universe there. Mordecai. Mordecai. <laughs> Even the the Harbinger. It, everything about him is just horror. The guy is awful. <laughs> he's he's just spitting tobacco and hatred every all over that scene. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he insults the, the young group of kids going on their vacation and uh, directly confronts them and lets them know pretty much how dumb they are. Always gets his shit pushed in by Chris Hemsworth. Yes, he does. Yep. <laughs> and he did not stand down. No fear. No fear. That Harbinger. man's a harbinger. <laughs> After that, they kind of disregard him. They're going to, you know, they're, they're, he's, a, he's an aggressive man, and they're ready to kind of punch Mordecai in the stupid face. Yeah. Um, he's a jerk. Rude ass. They get to the cabin. More to jerk, more like it, right? More to jerk. Yeah. More to genius. <laughs> I love him. He's my favorite in the movie. More to get out. More to... <laughs> So, Get Out was a good movie too. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it. Anyway, <laughs> we're not we're not watching Get Out. That's that not a disaster movie. At all. There are oh. no helicopters in that movie. Speaking of which, Brian is signaling that he needs to shed his skin, and uh, once he's out of that husk and back into his new pink moist form, we will be back. So we'll we'll be back in you know just a second here. It's yours. No, I mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know, one of the guys was... Lost of what? 
Look, Dad, it's Where not... did you get it? Dad, Answer I... me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. Sign says closed. If we were looking to buy some gas. We also wanted to get directions? Yeah, we're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. I've seen plenty come and go. Hell, I've been here since the war. Which war? You know damn well which war. Would that have been with the blue and some in gray? You sassing me, boy. You were rude to my friend. That whore. What'd you say? I think we got enough gas. You got enough to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. We're back with more What a Disaster. And this week's episode is still Cabin in the Woods. This one is one of those tenuous disaster movies that I feel like our guests should be defending right now. Brian, you owe us an explanation. Yeah, you picked you, this you movie. certainly yeah. owe us an explanation for this How one. How is this a disaster movie, Brian? Well, I think um, especially by the time we get to the end of this movie, it'll be clear to not only the audience but the rest of the universe that this is absolutely a disaster movie as much as it is a comedy or a horror. So um, I, I think the movie really defends itself in its own script, in its own, in its own directing, its context, and, of course, outcome. Oh, I hope everybody lives in this movie. And I, I like I like these characters so much. Actually, I do too. <laughs> I do until the end. I really? Them. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, sets in the control room too. They're they're amazing. They did a really good job in the control room sets. All the, like the old computers and so, buttons. Just to be clear, Brian's reason for why is this a disaster movie is trust me. It's a disaster movie. <laughs> well, I think any movie where everybody in the world potentially is dead is definitely qualifying. They're as a certainly trying movie. to um, prevent a disaster. Stakes and are high. The stakes are very, very high. The whole movie is about preventing a disaster. That's the plot. You're absolutely right. So, spoiler once again. There that you is go. The plot. Now we have the the truth <laughs> is out. Everybody involved in this movie is a pawn in a game where the end is. Hopefully the old gods continue sleeping. Yeah, and most of the movies on the podcast are either uh, disasters that happened or a plot that has to do with preventing or slowing down the disaster. So this definitely qualifies. This absolutely it does. I but um, we had to make make clear to our audience that it may not have seen it. Now the movie is spoiled for them. Mm -hmm. But that's why it's a disaster. I'm sorry, Brian. This doesn't fit the format because there's not some guy trying to get across the country to rescue his kid, wife, daughter, dog. Whatever. I, I, I don't remember. Are there any helicopters in this? No. No. no that, this is, that's its most disqualifying feature. There are no helicopters no in this helicopters, movie. No helicopters, not a disaster movie. Yeah. That is what I would agree would probably be a defining factor. I've failed you all. I do like that um, the, the, the dudes, what are their names? Sitterson? Stillerson. Stillerson. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the other feller Stuckman messed with Mordecai on the phone. Oh, yeah. So what's funny about this, this movie and this podcast is really the bipolar sort of schizophrenic nature of it. And uh, w when you watch the movie, one of the things that you respect about it is just how difficult it must have been to write and direct and to put together into a cohesive piece. So even when we talk about it, it feels a little bit bipolar because we're going back and forth between the corridors where the employees are setting all this up and then also back into the kids with the cabins in the woods. So essentially we're dealing with two different groups. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the movie itself, it, you bounce back and forth between kids having fun in the woods and 
a bunch of dudes in an office basically is how it feels. And yeah. I, I obviously deliberate and I've got, I've got to give some big, uh, big credit to, uh, the editing team, whoever put this, the, this edit job together, kept the story yeah. flowing and cohesive. It's two separate movies kind of squished together and it, it, their ability to do that. I think it's pretty I, good. I don't know that I'd say, squ- I mean, yes, there's two separate movies kind of squished, but more like shuffled together. Yeah. Shuffled together like a deck of cards. Yeah. Right? But perfectly shuffled. You just, every other card is, is a different sequence of, of events unfolding in a different place. No, that's, that's really well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're still with our, our heroes in the cabin and they went and they went for a swim in the lake. And, uh, we had one very wise fool keep his clothes on not to ruin the feel of the movie. And, uh, and then, then we move back into the cabin, if I remember correctly, correct? Yeah. Well, they go back into the um, they go back into the uh, control center first, and they kind of talk a little bit more about why they're doing this. They're, they're all taking bets, and it seems like why is everybody taking bets? And they have this new security guy, and he is not cool with it. Uh, but they talk about it, and they talk about how like, um, well, the harbinger they chose to ignore him, so the guy's basically wearing a sign that says you're going to fucking die, <laughs> and they chose to ignore him. So the fact that they chose to ignore them means that they did like they're doing this on free will. Absolutely. And all throughout the movie, there's these little things that don't make sense to the process. Like, why does there need to be a harbinger? Why does there need to be somebody who warns them? Why is that important to the process? And several times back in the, the let's call it the war room, right? They allude to the fact that this is what the director wants. And, and they allude to the fact that there's a director downstairs. And you learn throughout the movie, all these little pointless things that happen, happen because the director downstairs demands it. Yeah, so um, I... I, I feel like it's sort of implied that the um, the stuff that's going on, like all the little things have to be in place for it to appease yeah. what they're trying to prevent. Plus they so, manipulate the process so much. Like yeah. they're, 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 they're putting drugs into the system for these kids or they, they admit later on that they put some uh, drug in her hair dye because of the one, Dana, not Dana, um, Jules dyes her hair blonde. Mm-hmm. And there was a drug in her hair dye that seeps into the skull that makes her dumber. Right. They do these things to make them fit the archetype. So uh, it's kind of funny because they're really manipulating the system. Well, but. they did kind of at the at the end. They kind of said it has to be a choice, didn't she? Yeah. So mm-hmm. ultimately, they made their decision, and that was the end of it. Yeah. So yeah, we had a good. We do go back to the cabin, and they're all just kind of drinking, having a good time. Jules makes out with like the. They're playing Truth or Dare, and Jules makes out with the ugly wolf. You've got a note here. There is powdered sugar on the wolf head to make it more tolerable. What does yeah. that mean? So they um, put a bunch of all that dust you see on the wolf's tongue. That's powdered sugar, not dust. They put a bunch of powdered sugar on this like fake wolf head they have mounted on the wall on its tongue. So when Jules goes and makes out with it, she's making she's licking the powdered sugar off of it so that it's not horrible for her as an actress. It's, it's horrible to watch. Yeah. yeah. So and so it's more horrible <laughs> really to watch because she makes out with that wolf like like. It's her job. Yeah, this taxidermy wolf hanging on the cabin with a wall, yeah. dusty and disgusting, and she's sticking its tongue into its mouth. So it's actually a little bit more relieving to learn that there's powdered sugar in this thing because as somebody watching the movie, you can only imagine what she is going through as an actress licking this dead animal. Yeah, yeah. And that's when the trap door pops open. Boom. Uh, must have been the wind. Must have been the wind. What do you think's down there? Yeah. Uh, well, well, back it up to must have been the wind because when that thing flies open, it's like 400 miles an hour. And, and it, it explodes stops. open. Yeah, it explodes open. It just, it just stops yes. at the top. It doesn't like bounce back or anything. It's just ripped open. The Pop-Tart came right out of that toaster. Quote, unquote, <laughs> the wind. Yeah. yeah, and this is where you begin to learn some of the satire of the movie because when this thing blows open and everybody just walks to it, it must be the wind. If that was real life, 
I would have ran for my life. I would have been out of the cabin, would have been in, back in the car and back home. Right. <laughs> I don't care which one of you motherfuckers want to stay here. Yeah. I'm taking that RV home. <laughs> you are, you, you're welcome to the cabin in the woods. Yeah. I'm out. Right now we're sitting in a room with an attic door. If that thing flies open, Greg, podcast over, I'm going home. Oh, if you rip open that door hard enough, that door will pop open because of the vacuum. Oh, it's just the wind. Yeah, it's just the wind. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's just the one. So they go down into the basement. Oh, it's, it's the creep. It's so creepy. It's awesome. This it's really a, well done. Yeah. And there's nothing but all these like uh, toys and old timey pictures and just part of times gone by, basically. They're down there with a flashlight checking things out. Oh, I guess it's just uh, just what's her face. Yeah. Well, Dana goes first Dana. as a dare. They're Dana? like, you never take the dare. And she's like, well, I'll show you. I'll take the dare. And they, and they dared her to go down in the creepy attic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basement, and, opposite of attic. And so, so there's all this stuff down in the basement, and you learn very brief, very soon that the, all these things down here is what actually the team back in the war room are placing their bets on. Which item are they going to pick up? Which item are, are they going to uh, really predict their own doom with? Yeah, they're all landmines, right? For yep. demons. Mm-hmm, exactly. This is where the directors uh, begin, or the writers, begin to really make the statement of the only difference between any of the horror movies you've ever seen is really the delivery of death. Everything yeah. else about the plot is exactly the same, and that's the statement this movie makes over and over again and very, very well. If I was in this situation, I would be kind of glad that I got the zombies over some of the other options. Mm-hmm. Some of these options are horrifying. Like the ballerina girl. Like, uh, I mean, that not uh, we're gonna be sp- the movie's spoiled at this point anyway. If the you've only never way seen to it. discuss this movie it's, is spoiled. really there's, there's there's very little we can do without. And uh, toward the end, you start to reveal how every one of the options that they're picking up in the scene where they're just exploring alludes to one of their many methods of of dismemberment that could have come and gotten them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, I don't know, it's clever. Yeah, it's cool. One item is a uh, a ballerina inside of a music box that you learn is uh, a uh, like a, a death ballerina that that'll eat your face off or something. And yeah. then another item is the 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 seashell, which is actually referred to a couple times throughout the movie, which will beckon forth some sort of like killer merman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from the from the lagoon, you know. Conch. And then yeah. they have Conch. a shell. Yeah. Then there's a pool for how these kids are going to die. Yeah, and how the they're they're going to um, avert disaster here. So. Uh, he calls him Aquaman because he picked the uh, the guy, <laughs> the, the 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 I mean sea monster guy in the, the lake. merman, yeah, yeah, the merman, whatever you want to call him, and uh, it's just really funny. I like that they keep calling back to that. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because one of the um, uh, let's call them architects back in the war room really wants to see this merman. Really wants oh, this yeah. year, handily, because every year handily they do whatever. this, they roll through this with a new group of kids in the cabin to appease the. The ancient ones, and they wished they wished to God that that they could see some of these monsters and never get yeah. picked. Uh, God, I would just a TV show about those two guys <laughs> oh, setting yeah. this stuff up, leading up to this movie. Oh, the years! How before. amazing would that be? Oh, it would be amazing. It would, would be amazing. I would eat it up. Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, the way that they they portray emotion in the workplace is just it's dead on. Their yeah. deadpan yeah. delivery. They're just. I mean they. They're very clearly um, trying to separate themselves from the inhumanity of it all. Yeah, they're practicing a lot of cognitive dissonance yeah. throughout uh, this whole movie. Uh, and it, they, they, if they don't laugh, they're going to cry. Right? And it catches up to them a few times. You actually see it, like the facade cracks. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's like there are a couple dads or husbands working on this terrible job that they just really hate, and, and they're just trying to make the best of it. What we're discovering as the movie goes here is that. Um, 
there are other teams that have these projects going around the world. And now it is down to the American team and the Japanese team. They are the only two death crews, I guess, that are left to prevent the end of the world. Yes. Yeah. And the Japanese one is really funny because it's like this like ghost from the ring floating around or all these eight-year-olds in the classroom. Right. You're like, oh, yeah, she's got this. She's well, got this covered. Yeah. Yeah, and it is funny, too, because um, it goes to show you that all the other countries, they're kind of making a statement of, hey, these other countries at least have more unique ideas than we do in our repeated plots and horror movies. Everything's always the same. Ours is the one that's going to drag on and follow through and save the world because we're going <laughs> to we're gonna appease everyone. Because we got this figured out because we have a we have a we have a, we have a formula in place and you guys are trying to yeah, like, everybody's creative. everybody's uh so far uh dedicated to the process that they they can't think outside the box right exactly exactly so it's getting pretty tense back in the war room because uh we're running out of other options and backup systems yeah. around the world everything's gonna ride on the united states this is it yeah yeah oh yeah so then we get back to the cabin and jules is making everybody uncomfortable there's like five people in this in this room one of them's her boyfriend. There's three people who aren't her boyfriend, and she's dancing, being a complete creep. So um, throughout the movie, we once again we we get these little clues that they're manipulating our intrepid heroes mm -hmm. with um, chemicals. Basically, they've got what's her name with the hair dye, Jules with the hair dye, making her dumber and kind yeah. of sluttier, and they're pumping in other hormone chemicals to make into the beer. Into Mr. The Jockman act like crazy Mr. Jockman. Yeah, Kurt has a, a full ride scholarship and for academic scholarship, and he plays football. But like, he starts acting like this super alpha jock and being a complete jerk, pushing people around. Grabs Jules and goes, "Let's go in the woods and have sex like in front of everybody." It's really uh it makes Marty uncomfortable. Right. Marty's the only one that's noticing that, like, nobody's acting like themselves. What is going on here? It's because Marty's high. And usually, like, you, like, these movies go, like, horror movies in America go, the guy who smokes all the weed. He's the, the one that's going to get it. Yeah. But <laughs> Marty smoking weed is there, like, they, later on, it's the reason why he's not affected by the chemicals because he swatched. They try to, like, um, taint his, his stash, but he's, he must have bought new weed. And it, it, it's actually, like, they say it's actually, like, immunizing them to like the effects of all the other drugs. <laughs> yeah, so. All the chemicals and pheromones and everything they're pumping into the air is just not working on him. No, it's just not. It's, He's it's way too blazed. By, by 420. <laughs> the coffee cup essentially at this point is is beginning to save the team. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that coffee cup is amazing. They're, uh, they're using that $5,000 wisely. Yeah. So uh, drinks. We got beers today. Um, yeah. Uh, are these also from Flicks? Yeah, these are from Flicks. Usually we get our beers from Flicks down the street. It's right down the street from here. Um, it's a great Flicks. Stop by Flicks. The, the beer store. Yeah. Nobody will ever go there on our advice, oh, yeah. but that's okay. They don't even know we talk about them. That's also okay. They'll Ryan uh, is a recovering not drinker. That's right. He's not a recovering <laughs> not drinker. He's just a not drinker. Yeah. He, uh, he's naturally amused all the time. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's what great. I call a predictive alcoholic. I predict that I would be an alcoholic, <laughs> so I better stay away and finish out the uh, the... The double A plan right now. So right now, um, we are drinking Zombie Killer. It's a hard cider with honey and cherry added. I don't know who makes it. It's actually a thing. mead. It's by Bee Nectar, which is a Ferndale company. So a Michigan. Oh, company. I was gonna say, it better yeah. be a Michigan company. It's very delicious. Uh, we don't. I, I like there's zombies in this movie, and they kill them. And this is a, a delicious cherry mead. What do you think of this? 
actually, Greg. It's very sweet. Yeah, it, it's it, not something you could drink a lot of, right? No, but. I don't think I could drink much more than a, a, a glass or two of this. And let's not pass up the fact that you found a mead called Zombie Killer for this movie. Like, it blows my mind that you found this and brought that here today. I think that's kind of a big deal. Uh, it, we, we, we get lucky. One of these days, it's just going to be like Bud Light because I'm not going to be able to find a beer. <laughs> Yeah, we got two beers today that kind of fit the theme. I got it because of the brewery name, which normally I don't do, but since I found Zombie Killer, I got to be a little um, loose on this. It's from a brewery called Mountaintown. Mm. Since they're in a mountain town, I thought that was uh, fitting. And it's called Cactus Stokers. No, Cole Stokers. It should be called Cactus Stokers. Cactus Stokers. (laughs) Or like a cactus, bro. Go go stoke a cactus, Richard. (laughs) Uh, It's... A blackberry ale, it's not great, in my opinion. Uh, it's fine. It's, it's it's also very sweet. We don't usually say bad things about beers, but it's not it's not one of my favorites. I would I would it's give gross. it I'd give it a solid seven. Yeah. Seven out of ten here. It's also brewed in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Which is pleasant. It's how we do. Mount. We uh we, we love our Michigan companies yeah, and small businesses. Now are you both drinking out of five thousand dollar coffee cups? Because if you're not, this is being done wrong. <sighs> I'm smoking out of my five thousand yeah. dollar coffee cup right now. Very nice. Like you're supposed so. to. Our favorite part of this podcast is the first death. And oh, yeah. We're almost there, aren't we? Yeah. And Kurt and Jules go outside the bank. Uh, and every time Jules is go, goes like, it's too cold. The people in the control room turn the heat up. She's like, it's too dark. Let's go back in. They add a little light to this like really soft, mossy space. <laughs> they, they moonlight a glade for them to. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice, soft moss on the ground. Yeah. They create this perfect situation and environment for them to really derobe and give the director what 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 she wants the director wants this kurt's going to town on jewels a little bit here and they're in the, they're like they're like on the grass and then um some murder happens so which, i'm sorry to to ruin this death moment but are they is this movie implying that every horror movie is uh just these guys trying to save the world Yes, I, almost yeah. any horror movie in the United States could be applied to this movie. It makes, it makes it more fun. It was they another year where they saved just, the world. Exactly. It's just their job to keep everybody alive. Yeah. That is exactly it. There it is. So, like, Jules is on, like, on top of Kurt or whatever, and it's uncomfortable to watch with you guys. It's like watching nude scenes with my parents. And uh, Jules gets on top and takes her top off, and all the guys in the control room are like, show the boobs. Show the boobs. <laughs> but they're not doing it for the reason, like, you would think. They're doing it because the they said the gods want to see all this, like, stuff. They want to see this. But yep. at the same time, everybody in the office is in the control room watching them. At the, like, yeah. I mean. <laughs> yep, it's it's sort of the. Uh, um, it, it, ah! It's funny. If you think about uh, the, the, the gods that are demanding these things as, as like the audience. Yeah. Uh, this is what the audience wants to see. This is what they're demanding. This is what they must have. Hey, we're the she gods. must yeah. remove her clothes and everybody is there wanting to see it happen to, to make sure the gods are appeased. But just as it's about to happen, our two heroes, Citizen and Hadley send away everybody out of the room. Okay. It's enough. Get back to work. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. They don't let anybody see the, they don't let everybody see the boobs. They're actually like they, every once in a while the professionalism sneaks through. There's actual real compassion these guys have for these people that they're putting through this torturous like right. scenario. And this is like the most artful part of the movie to me because uh, uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford again both say, come on, come on, come on. And you think it's because you want they want to see her without her shirt. No. But it's because they know if it doesn't go the way it should, the world is going to freaking end. Yeah. And there's another gentleman in the room. His name's Truman, right? And he's kind of the guy who's like in the background that's he's a security guard. He's like, this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. He's the only guy that says, what is wrong with all you people? This is terrible. Yeah. But then it be, they they use their acting skills to sort of peek through a little bit, Richard and Bradley, of like, this is the way it has to be. Yeah. 
is the other kind of yeah. I mean, we should yeah. really we should also point out that the 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 guys do say a prayer to the slumbering god. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so and one thing I want to get back to Jules and Kurt in the woods, like he he does some zombie tackling. Yeah, he gets he gets pretty tough. I'm like impressed because usually in a lot of these movies the guy just runs away, but like he like he clotheslines one of them. Yeah, everybody yeah. in this movie but Jules takes it to these zombies. Takes mm-hmm. it. All right, and the darkness has begun to envelop us, so that means it's time for a quick break. Once we are back, we'll just see how everybody's faring, and uh, yeah, we'll see how we're feeling. Mordecai, baby, what's happening? How's the weather up top? The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Well, you're, you're doing a great job out there. By the numbers, man, you gotta start it off just right. So we'll talk to you later, okay? Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their ears are stopped. They are the gods' fools. Well, that's how it works. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am. I I can hear the echo. Oh, my God. uh, You're right. Hang on one second. I'll take you off. That's rude. I I don't know who's in the room. Fine. There. You're off. Thank you. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be... I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Mordecai! <laughs> I can't believe it, it did it again. What happened to we're back and uh, where were we exactly guys so i guess like now we're back at the cabin jules is dead and there's three people left in the cabin yeah and kurt runs back he's like dude we're gonna die yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and marty's hearing voices there's like this weird voice and he like somebody's talking to them they um and he tells them to go for a walk and marty's like you can't tell me what to do i'm gonna go for a walk <laughs> he goes for a walk yeah and he goes for a pee and that's where kurt shows up and just like tackles a zombie and like Saves Marty. <laughs> close lines there. Yeah, the so one good. zombie girl. <laughs> he goes, he goes <laughs> her and just yells, dead bitch. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God, uh, yeah. But I love how everybody looks at Kurt like, did you murder Jules? Which is the right <laughs> response. Because yeah, he he's back. covered in blood. You know, they left together and here he is. He's just a mess and he's he's dazed. He looks like a murderer. To be fair, uh, Marty just watched him clothesline a one-armed zombie. Yeah, Marty's, so, Marty's, Marty's on his side. Yeah, <laughs> Marty's with, with uh, Kurt on this one. He's like, well, something we didn't know, we didn't, we kind of glazed over was the reason why they're fighting zombies is because Dana picks a book up, reads it in the, in the, in the basement and it has Latin in it. Yeah. So they're in the basement. Uh, we're going back a lot here, but they go in the basement and they're looking through all these artifacts basically. And she picks up, a, everybody's picking something up. It's yeah. a journal, Somebody's right? about to blow a conch shell. Somebody's looking at the uh, film. ballerina, like looking the film. at the film, playing with a puzzle ball. And then she's. St- Opens this diary and starts reading about reading about these this zombie family murdering each other, and that's when you know every, the 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 gambling's over. The zombie family wins the the office pool, and we get the reveal yeah. that the zombies are going to be coming to murder. But Marty goes, Marty goes. I draw the line in the sand right now. Do not read the Latin. (laughs) Don't open the door. Don't read the Latin. There's the pattern, right? Like, he's the smartest guy around. Yeah. 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 He's reading this book, and it's like, pain hurts. And then he gets to the Latin, and he's like, 
don't read the Latin. And then she goes, she reads the Latin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like he's invisible. Out loud. Yeah. Because <laughs> she hears a voice, read the Latin. <laughs> and it's funny because all of a sudden we have this character who remembers his 10th grade Latin for like no reason. Like uh, it just kind of came to me, which is another thing in some of these movies, like unexplainable recall. It's just, oh, I can I can speak Latin. How convenient. Yeah. How convenient you can speak Latin, but you suck at surviving zombie attacks. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we so, did not so smart. Yeah. Kirk goes, we got to stick together, guys. Yes, we cannot yeah, separate. Let's secure this whole house. Right. This is a, and it's hard to mention this scene. It's the split up scene, right? Like, yeah. do the friends stay together or do they split up without mentioning Scream? Because Scream also has this element of, you know, you got to stick together, right? And it, it's kind of like the same sort of horror sat- satire. Yeah. But I feel like this movie's even more, more artful with it and more comedical with it because it's, it's hey, let's all stick together. And remember the, the, uh, the guys back in the war room notice, oh, they can't stick together. That's going to ruin everything yeah and, they were, and the, the, what the, was their reaction to that what did they do they, they panicked and then they pumped some pheromones or something some sort of some sort of gas that could change that they can manipulate the like what they, you're thinking yeah, about they opened up the vents to pump yeah. in some uh some chemicals to screw with people basically and then kurt was like we got to split up <laughs> we got to everybody go up. to your own room yeah and that's and that's when that's when more shit hits the fan and uh marty gets marty finds a secret camera but he gets pulled out the window by one of the zombies and he, and he fights a zombie with the coffee cup. <laughs> wax so, him with, yeah, wax him with the coffee. Shows up twice. <laughs> yeah, like, and then the zombie drags him into this pit. And that's kind of the last you see of Marty, at least for a while. Yeah, he drags him into the pit and there's like an explosion of blood when he falls down. His there. help me was actually a pretty good, his acting here is great. We see the blood going through the little system that they have with the gears. Yeah, and every time the somebody dies, blood gets lever. pumped through some symbols. The first one, you see it go through, that was um, Jules. The second one goes through, the blood starts pumping, and the, there's like an earthquake down in, in yeah. the, the mountain system that they're hanging out and in the office. And everybody thinks because we'll they're it, excited, right? Or the like, war room, I guess. Yeah, the blade, the blood is like pouring into these stencils, a la like blade, like in the floor when they wake the vampire, right? Like the oh, yeah, blood yeah, is, sure. is trickling down and, and uh, uh, somehow siphoned in. So once again, spoiler alert here for blade what happens there's is, lots of blood and blade so <laughs> Watch the out, first blade. one there's no earthquake because it's the right blood uh, the second one we know marty comes back there's the spoiler for you guys it's not his blood that's filling that system bingo so the i mean i don't know if they were screwed from this point on regardless of what happened or what but i mean the the the, the old god was yeah, because that earthquake is shaken because uh, this is the wrong order of operations. The fool is supposed yeah. to die. The the smartest guy, the fool, <laughs> Marty, yeah. the, the the guy who's high all the time is supposed to die. And uh, and apparently he didn't. So the gods pissed. The whole world. He sent the wrong yep. blood into the into the stencil. Yeah, it, that would have been Buckner blood probably. Yeah. Yep. And then in in the in the basement when they're fighting off these zombies at this point, there's a there's one little thing where. Uh, she's holding a knife and you notice the knife shock her hand and she drops it. Yeah. And that explains away why in every horror movie you've ever seen, which is the years before that they ran and saved the world is it, why is it that they, the hero always uses a weapon once. Yeah. And, and then for some it. reason they put it down yeah. and dude, Jason's not dead. Freddie's not dead. You Michael Myers ain't dead. dead. And you put down the hammer or the knife or the sword or whatever it was. Why? Because yeah. it shocked you. That makes sense. How mad are you guys that we're not recording right now? Are you mad? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I was joking, Greg. That's going to happen one day. We're going to lose a whole podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. it'll just be we a lost one yet, but it'll happen. We're preparing ourselves. It, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. You're, you're totally right um, about that. It's like if you killed, if Jason just killed 15 of your friends and you stabbed him and he's down, 
maybe now you live in a world where somebody could kill 15 of your friends. You're not going to put down your weapon until you're in a safe situation. Yeah, I'm holding on to that. And you know what? I'm going to keep that forever. That's my knife that's going that's, on my wall. That's my knife. I'm sleeping on that's, the that, thing. Yeah, that's, that, that's my new arm. <laughs> I'm not dropping it. Uh, you can talk about Japan, Greg. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, right after we get the, the death murder zombie attack thing, we go to – we cut to Japan – <laughs> little kids. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We, like I've said in the past, we kind of watch it sometimes as we go. And um, the the girls, the the little Japanese girls, say uh, stop the the attack. So they sing a Japan is cute now song and they hold out hands. running. They're all singing a beautiful song. Turns into a oh, there was a helicopter. Yeah. It was just in a cut scene. But they, anyway, yes. So they're singing a beautiful song, and one of the one of the guys on the in the war room is just leaning into the TV, yelling "fuck you" to a bunch of twelve year olds. That are singing and dancing. Four a bunch Japanese of eight-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, that's you want to watch all those eight-year-olds? Not a single eight-year-old died. He's like, no deaths. <laughs> yeah, they're all these little kids are like subduing the the version of their demon from the ring, right? Like, <laughs> like somehow these little kids have used a song to turn this demon into a frog. And sorry, Japan's off the list. They can't save the world anymore. And Japan's pretty pretty uh, reliable according to this movie. So now it's just America left. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they try to get out. Like so, everybody like you would do to get in a camper. Like we're gonna get out of here. And they for got to close off the exit so there's supposed to be a cave-in at the exit and the people who work in demolition said they never got the order so citizen has to go upstairs or run up run down the hall and he hot wires the bomb to blow up the cave i never understood why he has to hot wire it though which right. should just be a button yeah especially since we never got the warning like right right everything's so, in place there's clearly a button as soon as you make a call it should just work right so it's really a combination of two issues oh. we didn't get the warning so we didn't have the time to find this out is why he has a hot wire because uh marty's down there fucking shit up already because marty didn't die and he's uh-huh. down there like shorting out the all the other equipment so he had to like uh he had to apparently he knows what wires to connect though I don't wait know. is that what's going on yeah. marty's actually down there sneaking around murdering like wrecking their system yeah 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 yeah. because he's messing with the elevator and they said there's an electrical issue we don't yep. know where it came from there's short an electrical system marty's messing oh. with the electrical oh system. i know that. that i never picked up on that and i feel like this scene in the movie is there to show that back in the war room when he's messing with all these wires in every movie ever somebody pulls out a circuit board like <laughs> takes your teeth to a wire and fixes the problem it was yeah. either disarming yeah. a bomb or making an sr-71 fly three times the speed of sound whatever it was it was a circuit board <laughs> that someone had memorized that they switched away without around. any kind of white papers without yeah. any kind of multimeter to, to trace leads they're just like let's gone. just assume he was on the maintenance <laughs> right. team because he's been there a long time yeah he's done it all <laughs> so It'll the directors use this moment to point out the fact that there's no other way out this cave is the only thing between you and the canyon to get out mm. of to get out of the area the little forest where the cabin is in the mountains this is the only way out period yeah even a helicopter wouldn't help you because i think the electrical grid is a dome because right. most of the movies we watch, having a helicopter on hand would have saved your life. But I think even this time, and the this, helicopter. This is where it moves into my fa- – this is my favorite scene in the entire movie is um, our, <laughs> our athlete, Kurt, right? He decides he's going to be the hero of the day and find a way out. And there's that short canyon. How, how many feet do you think that is, Greg? They do tell him how long – they tell him how big the canyon is and what the differential is. But I was not paying enough attention. <laughs> he just says the differential is uh, – Five-foot differential <laughs> yeah, on the other side. Yeah. you got to give it everything you got. He's on a dirt bike. He's yeah. ready to hop this motherfucker. <laughs> dirt bike. I never do. It goes <laughs> from nowhere. It comes from nowhere. The Let's bike. assume it was, it was on the back of the RV the whole time. 
okay. Yeah. So he's he's ready to just <laughs> rip across this thing. And it's and it's Chris Hemsworth. So you assume he's going to make it to the end of this movie, right? right. Like you're like this guy's going to go. I mean, at this point, we were expecting <laughs> Chris Hemsworth to be the hero. And he tells them, he says, "Don't worry. If I get across there, even if I'm injured, I'm going to go find help and bring it back." Right. But then just boom, yeah. Then invisible wall. He just rides his dirt bike straight into that thing and, and it's it just bounces off of it all dead. the way down. the whole way yeah. down. Like a pinball. <laughs> and I know sometimes you guys like highlight your favorite lines on the show, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. my favorite line of the whole entire movie. Right before he jumps, as he's gearing up and revving up his bike, he tells his best buddy Holden, or his best buddy Holden looks him straight in the eyes with passion and conviction and says, and he says, don't hold back. And then Kurt responds and he says, never do. <laughs> I love it. Because, <laughs> this is so cheesy. Because he just, he hits the gas and he pounds it. He hits the edge of the cliff and then just nails the force field. The triumphant music's going. It's like, do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite kinds of scenes. He would have made it. Suddenly dies. He would have made it. He would have made it. Oh, yeah, he absolutely. Was, he he would have so made it if it weren't for <laughs> the crazy death dome that was surrounding everywhere they are. But and how does that count, right? It should have, I don't, does that, a PTO God at so this like, point at this point he's just got to die it might it yeah. might count if 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 the athlete causes his own death I don't know you know we we can't yeah we don't know the, the rules. rules maybe they just want the show they don't care how the how the death actually happens as long as the show is there and as you observed earlier maybe since the earthquake nothing is counted so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know, but it's just so funny when he falls and he dies to his. I love dog. how he bounces off the oh, wall. Yeah. It's, so it's so hopeless. Yeah, like, things yeah. happen. Yeah, so they get in the RV, start driving back. I don't know where they're planning on going. The only place is back to the cabin, really. And um, turns out one of the Buckners is on there and stabs what's his name through the fucking neck. Holden, man. Holden just murdered. Why Holden's like, you're the, you're the only one I got left, Dana. You got to hold it together. Yeah, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go to the other side of the island. We're going to get out of here. And then uh, just one you of the partners accidentally pokes a hole right through his neck. In the yeah, middle of just, the inspirational it, speech yep. of the century, dead. Dead. dead just done. Completely. Cut short. Wrecked. Yeah. He had such a, 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 a big positive future ahead of him. We well, do, real quick, we do also, at this point, we find that she doesn't have to die. She just has to, if she dies, she has to yeah. die last. She just has to suffer through it all. Yeah, the fact that Holden dies, everybody at the office is like, oh, we won. Yeah, Which, they're celebrating. They're they're done. They're, they're drinking their beer. They're they're ready to rock and roll. And right now they're watching her get attacked. They, they think it's over. Uh, she's being attacked by Zombie Man. So everyone in the war room is happy because every horror movie you've ever seen where the good girl lives at the end or she's the heroine that's in it's the sequel. It's totally fine. It's okay because the god is okay with that. It's as long as she suffers. So they're celebrating that they saved the world, yet they don't rush in to save the the, the last surviving member of their cast. No. <laughs> no, they don't care about They don't care about her. They can't get involved. But then they get a phone call that breaks up all the fun. Ring, ring. And I'm assuming it's the director. One would think, yeah. yeah. So... They're they're real. So he's talking to somebody about the demolition. They're like, that wasn't our fault. There was a power reroute, and they're trying to. The right after that harrowing moment, we get a red phone that's ringing, it's and def- it's bad news. Yeah, it's sign. definitely like the president phone, right? Like it's yeah. the phone you don't want to ring. Mm-mm. And they went from being loud and celebrating, shut off the music, and now he's whispering into the phone in the quietest voice because he's terrified of what that phone call is going to mean. Yeah. And he's obviously hearing like, hey, something's gone wrong. Someone's alive or this or that. And he says yeah. into the phone, he says, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah. And then we see, uh, we see on every fine look at the screen. And now Dana's back in like full view. And she's still holding her own against the zombie. Thankfully but, yeah. for them, because if she had died, that would have been over. It would have been it. They'd been done. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. 
But Marty comes in to save the day again. Yep, Marty, the guy who we mentioned earlier, fell into the pit. It was an off-screen death. Greg mentioned already that he did survive. He was alive. That's when the earthquake happened. So now he's going to show up back on scene just before she gets uh, destroyed by a zombie. Oh, well, he uses the bong again. That's right. He oh, catches, that, yeah, he's got the club bong. He catches the, uh, he catches the uh, bear trap with the bong, and it wraps the chain wraps around it. It's, it's like a baseball bat, and he, did, and he, he just uses it as a weapon, but then throws it on the side for some reason. Yeah, it, I mean, it's I, ra- the chain's wrapped around. He probably couldn't have used it as a weapon. That's a $5,000 uh, bong you threw in the right. <laughs> right. So he bonks, uh, she rips up a plank and bonks dude in the head, Buckner man in the head, and they book it back to the, the cottage there. But he's not dead. Yeah, which is awesome no. that they yeah, use the bong not. because every movie ever that's great starts the way it ends. Something at the beginning beckons to the end, so they're already trying to yeah. pull a fast one. This is where it's going to end. The bong is back. The movie's going to end here. Callbacks but are important. You're right. Yeah. That's not the case. Remember the pit that he fell into earlier? What do yeah. we discover there? They're going to go hide in there. I don't know. We should take a break and come back. Into the third act of this movie. Yeah, man, we'll just uh, we'll take a quick break, Sounds and we'll good. we'll talk about the movie when we get back. Yep, we're gonna go vacation, a little vacation. We're gonna go on a vacation. Talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. Off to the cabin. Off to the cabin in the woods. All right, I love you. This must be it. Get this party started. <laughs> Systems online. Acquiring targets. What is going on? Somebody sent those things there to get us. What is this place? The Cabin in the Woods. Rated R. In theaters April 13th. All right. Well, we're back with the last little bit of this. Hey, we're back. We're back. Oh, we're back. We're back. Are we back? We're, we're back. back. Hey, we're back. We're back. We're a back. dinosaur story. All right. Whoa. My grandpa had that movie on Laserdisc. What movie? <laughs> Laserdisc. We're back. A dinosaur story. Back, yeah. a dinosaur story. It was. I think that's what it was called. Well, somebody Google that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, we're back. Producer. Dinosaur, you're right. It is. That is a. Yeah. Hey, it was the one where the T Rex got kidnapped by aliens and could talk or whatever, and they came to the future. And then the baby had the pan, and she hit the the guy in the head and said, "Not nope, the mama." That's that's dinosaurs. The TV show. You guys, this was. <laughs> you guys ever? You guys don't know what the last episode of Dinosaurs was like? What no, was I think it was a the, an uh, apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. meteor destroying. The end. Yeah. Seriously, that the end. was yeah. the end. It's yeah. horrifying. It's so <laughs> sad. It's just, it's so bad. That's so sad. I didn't know that. I could have went on without ever knowing that <laughs> the little baby dinosaur is dead. Yeah, I'm here to crush your soul. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, that's just Man. life. Yeah, she, he, the little baby dinosaur went down hard. All right, where were we? We were talking about... Uh, not the mama? Not the mama. We were talking about the... So, after... What's her name? God. Dana? Dana. After Dana is saved by Marty, mm-hmm. Marty drags her down into the hole he was brought into and reveals the zombie hole, basically, is just a whole <laughs> bunch of fucking monsters. They go Maybe down this elevator. My gay bar is going to be called the zombie hole. And all the illusions that we got from earlier in the movie with the puzzle box and... Mm-hmm. The ballerina toy or um, ballerina toy chest thing and it all was the like stuff a music in that. box. Yeah, the music box. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't think of the word. Yeah, you're fine. Um, 
all that stuff in the basement is is revealed to be different modes of death for them. And that's all it was. The the, whole, the house was just going to be murder city for them. It's basically and, a Rube Goldberg machine of uh, slaughter. Right. Yeah. It, it's a great twist in the movie. It's sort of the, uh, for all you gamers out there, the Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night moment with the Upside Down Castle. This is where everything really goes completely insane with the movie because he's fallen back into the pit that the zombies climbed out of. That's where his... Uns, his off-screen death happened and they get down here and there's just all of this insanity with all these different nightmares in these boxes and it's 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 actually kind of terrifying uh of a discovery to make together and you get to see the actors do a pretty good job as they as they find these different horrors what are some of the horrors they run into we have the guy that looks like pinhead from hellraiser yeah that guy has a great name actually his name is um fornicus oh that's Lord fornicus in pain oh yeah. <laughs> that's fornicus yeah fornicus uh, i don't know if you guys know the root is fornicate which yeah. is like sex lord of pain so. that, that's somebody i'd want to be hanging out with dana stares him the fuck down he, uh, does yeah. she stare him down or does he stare her down because she's banging on the the, the glass it's a lot of staring there. it's a lot of staring certainly back and forth. Some, some staring he kind of has a look of like hey guys hey what's up I'm uh, I'm here. Yeah, and they run into this little death ballerina, which is definitely like a Gamera de Toro, del Toro like yeah, 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 right? For yeah. sure. Yeah, I thought and so then too. She's got like yeah. uh lamprey teeth. Yeah, she has like three rows of teeth in no her face. In her mouth. It's just a giant circular hole of teeth on her face. Yeah. Or sure. where her face would yeah, be. Yeah, my first thought, they show a bunch of these horrors and they show a bunch more later. And my first thought at this part was like, they could have gotten this way worse. They got these slow moving, like like pain worshiping zombies that were relatively easy, like easy to handle compared to a, a freaking like toothy ballerina and an invincible clown and all these things that end up going that end up going seen later that are just invincible. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Lord of Bondage and Pain would have been a real would have been a real mess to have to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man, that guy doesn't die from gunshots and knives to the head. Yeah, the, the the five thousand dollar cut bong is not going to save you in that situation. No, no. I mean he, he had he had buzz saws in his face, just yeah. blades from saws, <laughs> presumably from other people face. who put those there. Right. Let's assume like, that people have tried to kill him and by the way couldn't. And you're like, I'll keep those there to remind others what happens when you try to put a buzz saw through my head. Right. Exactly. Nothing, nothing happens. They're just just gonna fuck you up so they find themselves walking the hallways of the sort of under interior environment right yeah they're in the they're in the headquarters of uh apocalypse prevention hq so this is when things get a little unrealistic unrealistic <laughs> <laughs> oh this is where finally this, this is, is where the it loses where the, we just there's no way to suspend your disbelief at this point this is where the realism loses me because um marty's really good with that that handgun it's easy think... to shoot a gun Richard. Yeah. it is really actually easy to shoot a gun and the fact that they're able to survive all this is a little unbelievable, too. Because mm-hmm. basically, the director sends an army after them. Not, like, not the monsters, an army. Oh, with, those are trained professionals, like a team, Richard. Right? But she, they, they can't kill her. Hmm. No. So if they can, they, 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 they do have that, some. The, well, the, the guards certainly know that. Yeah. But our, our heroes don't know that they will not kill her or cannot kill her first. Because if she dies, it's all for naught. He right. needs to die first, right? Because then they're lo- losing the 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 order of operations of the of the yeah. traditional horror movie. It's, right? it's, right. it's a pendos right. of murder. Yeah. <laughs> so what do they do? They 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 run off and they try to find safety in a, in a room, right? But this seems to be a special room. Yeah, they so they're hiding from all these shooty people with their little paintballers. Yeah, a little paintball team, and uh, they they find the control room. For all the deaf people. <laughs> With a big red button that says so many murder. <laughs> and there are just, it is just a death room. And the, they the have guards one button are, to release every monster <laughs> in this place. It's, you think you'd have more safeguards around you know that what? button? <laughs> if you think about it, if sure. given this situation, 
you would absolutely want that button there if she were out there or right. he was out there anyway. But yeah, so they, she hits this button, all the elevators open at once, and just every horror movie monster that, that has ever earlier. existed yeah. just rips into this room and tears them apart. Yeah, there's like a giant snake, a werewolf, some of the normal zombies. Giant fucking bat thing. I like to think it takes a soul out of one of the, uh, one, one of them takes a soul out of one of the soldiers, just rips his soul yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> And the, and the directors like use this now as a, as an ongoing opportunity to show every creature ever from any horror movie and all these different Easter eggs of of death machines, right? Yeah, yeah. And these are all influenced, obviously, by real real movies. One of them is, is looks exactly like a Resident Evil horror movie zombie with the, like the tent, tentacles out of its mouth. Yeah, it's we got the pinhead. Like we said, they they have uh, the one of the characters from um, uh, shit. What was that movie called? Um, well, they, they even have have the mass <laughs> my notes. the mass serial killers from the strangers, you know, and then they have um, uh, some some ghost spirit demons, so just some generic things, but some more uh, some some closer references too, like the pinhead guy is hanging somebody from a chain, and uh, they've got a couple like death doctors, uh, some very specific references back to movies that 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 exist. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's very cool. Uh, how many Jurassic Park they're paying so much oh Oh, god this whole scene where you're watching the monitors the security monitors are just full of a bunch of people getting murdered basically everybody who works there now it's like somebody coming into your office and just murdering you in the worst way ever like that's what's happening all these office workers are now getting just slaughtered like I do I do really like watching this this end part and imagining how everybody would be murdered by these different like in what what way this would play out with five friends in a cabin in the woods Oh, for sure, for sure. And a small detail, if you know this earlier, remember that, uh, um, Rich, the uh, diary she, she was reading from that you mentioned in the yeah. basement? The the little girl who wrote the diary was about her killer zombie family. Well, they turn into killer zombies, right? And they chase them throughout this movie. But her name is Patience. And then finally you see her come down the elevator and walk out of the room into all of this death and destruction. And her name is Patience. And it's kind of funny. Like every little oh, detail in the movie yeah. is, 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 is thought about. Every name, every scene, every... Every line of dialogue you can like, Joss. Well, the writers when they sat down obviously had a, a, some sort of nerdy reason for everything, and it it kind of like pulls the layers back as you watch. And the merman comes and murders Hadley. <laughs> He's just like, oh, and then just shoots blood out of his blood hole and then his back. And I love that all the buildup for what the merman's gonna look like, and you see him. and He's kind of like a B movie. He looks terrible. Suit, He's like, hilarious looking. He's got the stupid grin and all these teeth. Yeah. Like oh. he just like slaps the ground, waddling slowly, pulling himself across the ground he's got no legs right right he's a mermaid so, so our, our our guy from west wing is the first one of the two architects that are out of the game by the oh merman. so you're talking about the guy from billy madison yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about west wing well we watch these movies and talk about these movies so you were i'm sorry i, I rudely interrupted you because you were talking about the wrong people so our west wing guy <laughs> He, I, he I'm gonna mute, if i could mute your mic right now i would <laughs> and then um hadley steps in and how does hadley die well that's Sitterson. Sitterson gets oh. stabbed by Dana. Hadley, Hadley is the merman. The merman. Ah, yeah. I've had him backwards all along. Yeah, yeah, Sitterson is Sitterson yeah. is is our main man. And Sitterson gets away from everybody. He like once again hacks something with wires and <laughs> buttons and sneaks into this corridor. And then Dana just walks around the corner and stabs him with half a shear. Like, yeah. she, she's this. using the, the the thing that the zombies had. And it's, he says to her, he says, um, he says, does he need to say kill him? Yeah, his dying yeah. breath. He's like, you need to kill him. 
please. And she know. and she stops and contemplates it for a moment in the hallway before they move on down the corridor. I think that anytime somebody asks you to kill your friend in their dying breath, you would probably stop to contemplate it for at least a second and figure like, out what the fuck they were talking what about. What the fuck did Greg do to this guy? Yeah, Greg, like, like, <laughs> he must have cut him off on the way to work. Right. He wants him dead. So somehow these two, Marty and uh, Dana, like stumble through this entire wreck of carnage. And Marty gives Dana his his gun because she lost her her knife in... uh, (laughs) Yeah, she accidentally left it in somebody's stomach. So they finally get to the the main temple area where all the blood drains into. And that's when they get to meet the architect, played by Sigourney Weaver. She'd worked with Joss Whedon before, actually. Aliens 5, or whatever one that was that Josh Whedon wrote. The, the scene where she threw the basketball over her head and it goes into the basket. That, that, happen, that happened in real life? Three, I think. That was where she that came life. back as a superhero. That was the last. That, that was, was, yeah. Three's the prison right. planet. Aliens is two. Oh, God. Three's please the prison stop. planet. Please Four is the stop. one that Josh Whedon wrote. There were two alien movies. One of them was an action movie. One of them was a good thriller. Four was the one Josh Whedon wrote and has Greg's favorite actress, Lionel Ryder. Let's, uh, let's oh, my God. The she's terrible. At this point. Winona Ryder is one of the worst things to happen to modern cinema, and to Netflix now. <laughs> and to Netflix, you took it there. You did. <laughs> She's the worst. She's a horrible actor. You don't like her in Stranger Things? I don't like her, period. Maybe you don't know what it's like Maybe to be a mother. Maybe she's very nice, but if she came to my house and knocked on my door and was like, hey, Greg, uh, I was just stopping by to give you this giant check to donate to charity so everybody thinks you're a great guy, I would slam the door in her face and tell her to go home. She's just a mom feeling pain, Greg. She doesn't feel anything, and you can tell. She's a terrible <laughs> actor. If she had any feeling, she'd be able to act. Exactly. If she could empathize with humans or had experience, human-like experience, human-like. She doesn't even have to have human experience. Just human-like experiences, she would be able to act. She can shake a cigarette between her fingers and look nervous. That's all her part She can't for. look anything. She looks like a piece of wood. Her face does not change. She yells. Her face looks exactly the same. She gets... Upset about something. Her face looks. She's happy. Same face. Everything she does is the same, just different tones of voice. That is not acting. That's radio acting, I guess, but not (laughs) right for video. You get a goldfish, dress her up like Wanda Ryder, and get the same uh, performance out of it. Goldfish. Goldfish with her voice. Maybe maybe that'll be my next project. Is editing (laughs) every movie she's in, where every scene she's in is just a goldfish floating in her place. (laughs) Could you imagine Beetlejuice with a goldfish? Goth goldfish. Goth goldfish. (laughs) Edward Scissorhands. Goth goldfish. (laughs) I can Um, see it. Sigourney Weaver dies. Everybody. No, hang on, hang on. We're we're gonna we're talking about Girl Interrupted with a goth goldfish. Um, Mr. Deeds with a goldfish. You want me to cry? You want me to cry? <laughs> tears of laughter. So Greg, Greg knows Wanda Ryder's career very well, so he knows exactly what to avoid and when to avoid it. <laughs> exactly. I've learned her entire filmography so that I don't have to ever accidentally encounter it. Next goal is to find a disaster movie with Winona Ryder in it. Oh God, please! There's got to be one. We let our guests <laughs> choose the movies when they come onto our show. If anyone chooses a Winona Ryder starring movie. They're going home. Beetlejuice We're counts. not recording the episode. Beetlejuice is not a disaster. Like two people die in that movie. <laughs> barely. Two people barely die right. in that they're movie. Still, they're still in the whole damn movie. They've in my opinion, the their death is thing. kind of an upgrade. They look great forever. They got all these cool powers and they get to be friends. They look however they want forever. It's pretty yeah. great. And they got great friends. No, anyway, we are seriously digressing from this movie right now. I think this movie was made to get us to this point. Yeah. They're uh, dying. This, this movie was made for us to talk about Winona Ryder. <laughs> And how bad I think she is. We finally arrived. So they were in. <laughs> this is it. They this were is in my that, moment to shine. They're in that little. Are you still trying to talk, Richard? Because yeah, this were, is Winona uh, Ryder's time. They were. Um, I'm going home. Winona, if you're a uh, listener, 
I gave this Please, movie. Come on over with that check for handicap. I gave this movie. So slam the door in your face. I give this movie a nine and a half on the Richter scale. I'm out. Nine and a half on the Richter scale. Wow. I think this one's great. That's big. I love this movie. Nine point five is what I think you meant to say because they never say like it's a nine and a half. Nine and a half. On the nine and a half. <laughs> no, I, I. What's the Bryanter scale say? I agree. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, which we finally arrived, I definitely think that's proof this is a disaster movie because everything goes wrong and the no, world everything doesn't right. go wrong. I, I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> I'll get there. It's your turn. And there was a helicopter. But um, I give it an 8.5 because any movie that I can walk into um, where somebody has used deep imagination to create this thing and, and, and realized, you know what? This is Hollywood. These are movies. These are special effects. We can create whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. And they take the idea to the extreme to surprise you. I love that. That's a good movie for me. It's the same feeling I had walking into The Matrix and not knowing what the heck I was dealing with. Walking in and watching uh, the cabin in the woods, not knowing what I was dealing with, all the twists that it takes, all the different things that you experience throughout, and all the revealing, definitely a phenomenal movie. So at least an eight and a half. Oh, an eight five. He oh, said eight five. five. Oh, okay. eight, five. I was like, eight five. five. That's eight point five on the Bryanter scale. The Bryanter scale. So I would like to fucking say this movie until the end is like a nine easy on the Gregter scale, without a doubt. <laughs> I would absolutely recommend this movie to every. I I have absolutely recommended this movie to fucking everybody I know that has any interest in enjoying films. I would like to say it is such a cynical piece of shit ending. (laughs) Who the fuck? Well, maybe it's time for them to have a chance about the fucking old gods that are going to literally destroy the entire planet. Everyone you've ever known and loved will suffer. She literally told you that. Maybe it's time for them to have a chance. Fuck you, you yeah. stupid little shithead. Marty lost all of his. So we didn't talk about the end of this movie because I like it's it's we can close on the end. Uh, at the end of this movie, uh, Scorny Weaver is telling the director is telling Dana, you have to kill Marty, and this is exactly why he dies, and then you can live or die or whatever. But if he doesn't die by the morning, everybody dies. Every painfully in the most suffers and dies. Yeah, she says it very specifically. They will suffer in the worst way possible, and then die so the end result is you die anyways and you die in a worse way than you would and then everybody you know dies in the worst possible way yeah see and what you hate about the ending is what i love about the ending because if you look into this movie like i do and you read too much into things you think of the movie as two writers of movies who are sick of the same old thing and decide they're going to make a joke out of it. And the way they do that is they're going to make these gods, these big evil gods, like that's the audience or maybe the head producers that need to be appeased. And if the movie doesn't turn out the same, if everything doesn't work out the way it's supposed to, then the the powers that be are going to be pissed. You can't be creative with movies. You can't have unexpected destroy things happen. They'll destroy your world. They'll destroy your movie. Yeah, you can't have unexpected things happen in this world because the rules have already been decided. And I think it's an awesome... I, I think it's an awesome ending. I love it because it's, it's junk. It's Anybody different. in that situation that makes a decision like that is junk. They're yeah. junk people and they don't deserve a place I, I on this planet. I don't mind the ending. I don't she like should how have they... killed him and then herself and that would have been a much better ending. I don't like how they got to the ending. I, like, I felt like Marty was pretty selfless the whole time mm-hmm. and was pretty self-aware and pretty smart and was able to like do the math uh, on the situation. And when he found out that he, didn't, that he was going to die no matter what, maybe he didn't believe them, but after everything he saw... He should have just let that girl kill him, kill him. And the fact that he like fought her off, fought Dana off and like was like, I don't want to die. I felt that was super selfish. I actually kind of went against his character and it's because they want to have a cynical ending. They could have still had the cynical ending where uh, 
a zombie came in the last minute and prevented and Dana from killing him or something like that. Like it happened anyways without Marty being a big piece of shit. The, the exactly. End. They could have had somebody else subvert the appropriate ending. Yeah. And it would have been it would have been better if one of the fucking monsters just ripped in and murdered her at the last second instead of murdering yeah. him and brought yeah. it on. But her making it actively choosing to let everyone she's ever known suffer. She is not a friend to anyone you ever met. Especially she's not, not a friend to anyone that's ever been in her life. So I am going to tell everybody to say goodnight. Brian? Fare thee well. That's not goodnight. Nice fucking try. Richard? Good night, Greg. Thank you, Richard. And uh, from Gregory, uh, it would be good night, but it's not going to be. Fuck off. Have a good one. See you next time. I've been bad. Uh, on the podcast where we're audio only and we can't see you and yeah. you can't see us. No, there's no seeing, Greg. All right. See ya. I'm going to cut that out. You're see dumb. ya. You're so dumb. See ya. Quit being dumb. See ya. Would you, would you shut this see off? See ya. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go home. Do you, do you realize how much stuff I have to do tonight? I don't have to drive. I'm good. Yeah, I live here. Yeah, you're great. All right. Yeah, you're great. Fine. See Whatever. ya. All right, well, I pushed record twice, so we're going to do a really great job today. That's I was born premature, if it has anything it, to say that, about my it Completely unrelated, but thank you, Richard, for being born at all, frankly. It was the, it, you're a gift to the world. You're a true gift. I'm an American treasure. You better take that out of the... Don't leave it in the... the <laughs> it's going to go at the end of every podcast. <laughs> Richard is a gift to the world. Richard, you're a gift to the world. The greatest thing that ever happened to we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with this. You'll be now, back. Now, Richard's going to have to pick this out Roger of movies. the middle of this because we haven't buttoned up the damn closing. Oh. So this is in the middle of the closing, and he'll have to figure it out. <laughs> Not my God problem. Damn it. <laughs>